Something is holding you back, and this is most likely it. Welcome to Success Convo. I am Ryan Ingle. I'm here with Kate Carlisle. This week, we are discussing fear. We're going to dive in. I'm going to reveal my biggest fear, tell you how I conquered it. Kate is going to reveal hers, and then going to drop five fear breakers on you, five unique fear breakers to help you get through those irrational fears. You ready for this, Kate? I'm ready. I'm excited for this one. This is going to be awesome. What I first want to do is dive in and define fear so that we have a clear, distinct vision of exactly what this is and we're all on the same page. Fear is a feeling induced by perceived danger or threat. There's a key word there. It's perceived. When fear comes in place, we either have the chance to confront it or escape, hence the flight or flight method. Fear also causes intense emotional responses and physical responses in our body. On a day-to-day, we most likely face fear at some point or another. There are only two main types of fear that you're gonna have to worry about. That's rational versus irrational. Rational fear is a good thing, it's healthy. It keeps us from going crazy and driving 110 miles an hour. It keeps us from making incredibly stupid decisions, even when we're out drinking, that, that rational fear can enter our mind. Irrational fear is something that we learn, something that we create. Now, here's a fact, here's a fun fact. You're only born with two fears. You know? Really? Yep. That's wild, what are they? Any guesses? Hmm. You're never gonna get it. We're fear of the dark? Nope. We're born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Hmm. Those are the only two fears that we as human beings are born with. Fear is also the cousin of anxiety. So there's a lot of different emotions that are wrapped around fear and stemming by fear, but anxiety is its closest relative. Now that I got our basic definitions out of the way, let's jump in and let me tell my fear story. You ready for this one? Yeah. I don't know. Have I heard this one? Well, you kind of know this one. You kind of know this one. Okay. My biggest fear is one that I'll call, for the sake of this presentation, I think it makes the most sense, is a fear of exploration, Hmm. a fear of stepping out of my shell and following my instincts on what I wanted to do in my life. I'm guessing this is a fear you've successfully overcome because you don't seem to have that one anymore. I don't. I don't. But there was a lot of pain, a lot of barriers, a lot of things broken. That's why I think this is a good example. So as you know, one of the things that I deal with, I, I, a lot of anger, rage, frustration that I've had has been pent up with my family mm-hmm. and people trying to push me towards a safe route in life. I've never been happier with where I'm at in my life. And it's only because I pushed past my comfort zone. Let me explain. I went to high school, went to college, and the term that rings clearest in my mind that I can hear everybody saying is, get a job, just get a job, stick to a job, stick to a job. That statement, it'll never leave my nightmares, basically, because the entrepreneur journey is a journey of exploration. It's a journey of risk. It's a journey of taking chances, putting out something that you create for the world, and they're either going to accept it or reject it. The market is very fair, aren't they? The market is a fair place. You put a product out, people are going to like it. They're going to dislike it. It might not win. It might win. And you're putting a piece of your soul out there. You're basically wearing your soul on your sleeve as an entrepreneur and saying, this is what I've created. This is me. This is everything. The fails, the successes. And do you guys like it? Right? Now, we're successful in many different industries at this point. And I feel very happy. I feel a lot of it is, I think, luck and skill and everything boiling down into one. But... This fear is a fear of failure. 
in the early days of entrepreneur world for me, and we'll, we'll go back, we'll run the clock about five, six years, okay? And this is, uh, this is after I'd actually had one successful company sale, but I was still going up against the big thought that my parents had. They didn't understand. What do you mean you want to make a company? What do you mean you want to take risks? My parents have no idea what even stock trading is. They own zero stocks to their name. They have never taken financial risk, you know, and it's not their fault because the system trains us up to basically go through, get our education and keep moving, right? So my big fear was always breaking out of that. I never had as a child or as, a, as an adolescent, you ask me what I want to do when I grow up, I never had an answer. I just knew that it wasn't normal. I knew I wanted to do something bigger. And I always thought that I was meant for something bigger. I had literally, I had that, that thought in my mind. But that's the problem. Chasing that thought and delivering on entrepreneurial tasks was super, super huge. And let me explain where this fear is derived from. This fear is derived from everybody in my life besides you. You've been one of the only people that stuck with me, that stuck by me in the trenches, right? Besides, and I can think of a couple more people, but almost everybody in my life has told me, get a job, get a job, take a safe route. What are you doing? We don't understand you. We don't understand what you're doing. We don't understand how you make sales. You pay your taxes, all these things, right? So in order for me to step out of that shell, and I know that a lot of people that come up and make it as entrepreneur world have entrepreneur parents, have parents that are well-read and think outside the box. Mine do not. Okay? Nothing against my parents. I love my parents, but they do not think outside the box, period. And they, are, they were constantly hindering that. So for me to put myself on the line, I basically had to go against everybody and trust my own instincts. And every single time, I took the time to build out a new offer, to put myself out there on YouTube, to put myself out there on, on any industry, to, to claim myself as an expert, even on things that I felt as an, as an expert in and have built up over the years, just putting myself out there was extremely hard. Now, this is the great part because look at where we're at now. I honestly, I don't have any fear of failure at this point and I have zero fear of exploration, zero fear of trying something new. We talked about it in, the, in past episodes where I will approach any woman at this point. No, no woman's out of my range. <laughs> I will take on any industry. No industry is out of my range. I seem fearless. Okay. Uh, I'll have uh, I'll have different meetings, and some will say you seem like you just don't care. You have no fear. On all my heart and soul, it was my biggest fear for so long. And you know what conquered that? Do you know what conquered it? I was just going to ask you, do you recall the precise moment or day that you no longer had that fear? Never any precise moment. That's the thing. At some point, it just ended and it just stopped. I think the rest of this presentation is going to lay out why because when we get to the five keys, it's going to drop those keys. But going in and failing so many different times in a row, different fails every day, cost me money, thousands of dollars in the hole before you turn any profit in certain niches, right? This has made me, what I feel, invincible to failure. I don't care anymore. I truthfully don't care. And you know me. Sometimes that's a weakness, right? Yeah, but I think you make it into a strength. For a while, it was holding you back and leaving you somewhat paralyzed and unable to really take that next step and create that next product or launch that ad. And I think it's it's been very productive for you to sort of let that go. And that's fascinating to me. It reminds me of one of the things that you told me one of your mentors said about how you know when you hit that first million because it's such a benchmark for you. But when you hit 10 million, you're working so hard at that point, you don't even know. It, it just sort by. of happens. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, I think the biggest thing that helped me fight that fear was anger. 
thinking about everybody and all the days where they said, oh, you're never going to make it. You're never going to be able to do this. You're never going to be able to do that. Just get a job. That anger fueled me. And it still pushes me to this day because I can still see the faces of those that told me to get a job because I'm worlds above them. That anger fed that fire. I'm very thankful for going towards that emotion. And anger is a very powerful emotion that can help you break through fear. Having anger is really, I'm very thankful to have had that. But that's one thing I can tell you. Just doing it over and over and over again makes you develop a fearless sense. Because were my fears rational? Absolutely not. They're completely irrational. But they came from, it brings up a good point, they came from people who were with you since your very early years. A lot of times when people are fearful, it's because of something that happened in their childhood or in their formative years when they were given a perspective on the world and taught to fear something or taught to be cautious about something. And oftentimes it's not anything that you did. It wasn't because your parents didn't have faith in you. It's probably because they were insecure or so dissatisfied with how their own lives had gone that that's all they knew to push that onto you was to follow in the same path because that's that's literally all they knew existed. So oftentimes it's not anything that you as a person do. It's really something that's imposed upon you by people who have issues themselves. Absolutely. And that's, that's another great point that, you know, we talked about auditing your circle in a past podcast, but one of the big things that, that is complimentative here, think about your mentors in life. Think about your forced mentors. Like for example, my parents, they want to tell me about, you know, as, as growing up, they want to teach me about finance. Were they anybody to look up to in finance? No. You know, like I said, nothing against them, but obviously I don't think I should take their advice. I should have looked to different places. And you're right. The people that have bearing on you when you're a child, they kind of create this false sense. And they did. They created a false sense of fearing the risks, fearing the bigger risks. And, and I mean, it boils down to the fact that I got one life and I'm going to take my chances. And I just kept going back in. Like I said, use that anger and just go back in, go back in, go back in until you eventually break the ice. Then you break more barriers and you bust all the way through. And that's honestly continual, continual doing it again and again. I love it. It's so inspiring to hear you tell it like that. Let's hear your biggest fear. <laughs> Mine pales in comparison to that. Well, let's hear it. All right. Well, first off, I'll say I don't really have a lot of fears now, but the best example I can true. think of. I can back that. <laughs> except for zombies. I still have a hidden fear she of zombies. zombies. <laughs> um, That's a rational fear, though. I mean, who the hell doesn't have a fear of zombies? <laughs> well, we all know the zombie apocalypse is coming. If they point. were real. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So getting serious. Um, probably my, my biggest fear that I've overcame was probably when I was very young. I used to take sailing lessons at our yacht club. We lived on Cape Cod. And every summer we would go out probably once a month, and we would have what was called capsizing day. And the instructors would take out probably five or six of us. We could all fit on this 13-foot, was called a beetle cat, where the type of sailboats we sailed. And they called it capsizing day because it was purportedly to teach us how to respond. Doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> well, it was supposed day. to teach us. It wasn't. At least it wasn't turtling day where you flip the whole boat over completely and the mast gets stuck in the sand. That's never fun. The whole point was to teach us how to respond if the boat topples over what you're supposed to do but really it was the instructor's brilliant in my opinion now that I'm looking back on it ploy to get us to clean the bottom of the boats because they'd tow the boats in beach them flip them on their side and then we'd have to all clean the bottoms it was supposed to be this fun thing but I was like uh uh-huh this is kind of manual labor but anyways so one of the things that I always enjoyed about sailing and we would do it on capsizing day but just generally was there was this island out in the middle of the bay it was called egg island And the thing about Egg Island was it would rise and fall with the tides. So if it was low tide, Egg Island would be up. You could go. It was actually pretty massive. 
But if it was high tide, the island would, the entire island, there was no peninsula or anything like that. It would all be submerged in about under five to six feet of water. The whole island? The whole island. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So, and it would rise and fall about twice a day just with the tides. But the thing about Egg Island was there was one side of the island where there was a massive rip current because that's where the one of the old channels had been. And so there was just a, it was a heavy flow of water and it would just carry you away if you weren't careful. And it was fine if you're sailing through it because you're in a boat, nothing's going to happen to you, but you wouldn't want to swim in it. Let's say that. So one of the problems about Egg Island is the only way to get off the island, you come on, you beach the boat, you anchor to keep the boat there, but somebody's got to pull off the anchor and shove the boat off. And nobody ever wanted to be the one to do it because you always had this, am I going to get swept away in the current? Am I going to, you know, what's going to happen to me? Would you consider this a rational fear or irrational fear? Like how hard was that current pulling? It was a pretty hard current. It probably, I mean, nobody encouraged anybody to swim in it. Gotcha. Um, you know, if you had enough people there, nothing was really going to happen to you because everybody's looking out for each other. But it wasn't, I don't know that it was an irrational fear. Let's put it that way. Borderline. Borderline. It was a borderline fear. So we would always draw straws. We being the people I was taking sailing with would always draw straws as who was going to shove off the boat. Nobody ever wanted to be the one to do it because of this current. And there was one day, I remember, there were about three of us. I think there was one boy, one girl, and myself, and then the instructor. So four of us total. And the other two people I was with were sort of making excuses about why they couldn't shove off. You know, one was said they had a stomach ache, and the other was just, I don't know what his excuse was, but didn't want to do it. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? This is silly. I've never been the one to shove off because I've always been terrified of this current nothing's going to happen to me. I mean, the instructor's standing right there. I'll be fine. I need to just get over this. And so I vividly remember I was the last one standing on the island going to shove off the boat. And I picked up the anchor and I stood there for about minute, minute and a half, which for the people sitting on the boat, that's a pretty long time for me to stand there being indecisive about whether I wanted to do this or not. But I remember... Do you feel as if the fear was building as you're waiting? It was ebbing and flowing, sort of a metaphor for the the current, Mm. essentially. It was because I I would have this moment where I thought, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then you'd have that adrenaline rush, right? Mm -hmm. And you pull back because you realize, well, wait a second, there's risk here. And so finally, I racked up my courage and I shoved the boat off, picked up the anchor, jumped on. And I remember this just rush of, wow, I really did it. I really conquered that fear. And it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that scary. And I actually did something with that anchor. I still have it to this day. I have it in my bedroom. And it's just sort of sitting there as a little memento of when I conquered that fear. And for me, it's symbolic (laughs) of a lot of things. You like it? Yeah, I do love that. I feel like it's sort of not as esoteric as your fear. but Well, here's the thing. You can kind of like see fear in like all of its forms there. And the cool thing is, and we're going to get into this in the tips, but the fear there turns into excitement, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It turns into excitement. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about that. But I actually like that. And I think it's awesome that you kept that memento. It's just sort of sitting right there. I see it every day when I get up. It's kind of gives, gives you strength because you went past something. Yeah. And there's things like, like you said to me, the things that happened in your childhood, a lot of times we have to go back and look at them. We mm-hmm. have to, I, I feel like that gets overlooked in all aspects of life, right? You come to these conclusions where you have a problem or a fear and you don't think to look that far back because you think, well, I was a kid. You kind of chalk it up to that. But being a, you know, in psych myself and having a psychology degree, I can tell you firsthand that a lot of things that happen pre-adolescence kind of like 
can make who you are. Oh, definitely. Obviously. So I, I dig that. That's an awesome little fear story there. Um, I, I kind of had a picture of Egg Island in my head, so I like that story <laughs> I'll a lot. take you there sometime. It's fun. <laughs> no, that'd be cool. Definitely. <laughs> so what I want to do now is I want to move through. I've got these five keys. And uh, Kate's going to try to either punch holes in them or agree with them. You know, much success convo-esque here, how we're going to do it. So I'm going to roll through them. Um, these are very unique. I Again, like everything else we do, I have scoured the internet to bring you the best of the best possible you know, tips. And uh, these come from you know, half what I found and I think will work and then half of uh, my own experience and then intertwine. So, and feel free to throw anything in here, Kate, as we're rolling through them. Sounds good. The first one. The thing that people value most, and I'm, I'm taking using this example because it comes from my actual fear story. The thing people value most is security. They'll value security over anything, right? So they think about their life and, you know, obviously uh, it's always instinctive in our heads to, to want security, to want to make sure that we have that roof over our head, money coming in, enough money, right? But people will suffer through horrible marriages. They'll suffer through jobs they hate 40 hours a week on jobs they hate just to surpass the fear there of security that just to hold on to security just to be secure right so what's the what's the converse to that well think about security and then think about strength strength and courage are the emotions the the power that's needed there to break through that fear of security so what I'll have you value in your life I'll ask you this question what is your biggest security is it holding you hostage? And if it is, I think you need to not value that security. And I think that you need to value strength and courage and overcome it. Okay. So think about that. Think about that in an actual retrospective way. You've got that job that you just can't stand. You're working 40 hours a week, but you've always had a little inkling. You love homes. You love selling homes, real estate. Maybe you wanted to go into real estate. You want to show people around homes and get a percentage of that. It's a great career. You have to learn the ropes if you want to be a realtor. It's a competitive industry. But that's what you wanted to do. So instead of breaking towards that, you continued to go to work every single day because you were afraid to be stupid. You were afraid to go out on a limb and try something new because there's a learning curve. The learning curve that you face in life, most caused by the fear of being stupid. We don't like to feel dumb. You don't know anything about being a realtor, so you feel dumb when you talk about it. And so instead of break through those barriers, you constantly hold on to that security. I like that. So the tip is actually value strength and courage over security any day. It doesn't necessarily have to be certainty that you'll succeed because I'm sure you're going to talk about this in a little bit, but a lot of it is is knowing that there's some element and, and certainly a great chance of failure and being willing to embrace that. It's really more strength in the fact that you're you will sustain yourself, that you at the end of the day will emerge victorious and that you've got the wherewithal, the brains, the stamina to really go through those hard times. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things that drives billionaires, billionaires, one of the biggest things that drives them every day to continue to make more billions is that they think about the time when they were broke. It derives some security. There's every single billionaire must has a broke story, has a story of when they're, they're broke. Kevin Plank, founder of Under Armour, his is that he was at the Jersey Turnpike uh, toll booth one time and did not have enough money to get through the toll booth. So he thinks about that and helps drive him, mm -hmm. right? That like derives that. from security. So if you think about that, most of the time it's an irrational fear. And even though it's an irrational fear, that healthy dose pushes him to pursue. So he's done that in a way. He's completed this first one. Look how far it got him. You value that courage. That's the first one. 
I love that one, right? You like it? We're already off to a strong start. Let's, oh, yeah. Let's go to number two. Second one, okay? This is kind of like take the doctor approach in a way. Know your fear. Most of the time, the fear is going to be an irrational fear. It's not a fear that you should actually have. So you have to kind of dissect it and learn it, okay? Me, one of my little fears that, that kind of, uh, you know, came up years ago. You know what this one is? Planes. Ooh, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. I have a hard time flying. Reason, I was in a flight one time. The autopilot broke. It was over Costa Rica. The autopilot broke, and the whole plane took a nosedive for about 10 seconds. That was scary. I mean, strangers I didn't know in my row were holding my hands, and I hear people shrieking. So you know God, that this awful. is a serious moment, right? We were all kind of traumatized there, but that was a learned, irrational fear. Here's what helps me cope with flying. I've flown a couple times since. I mean, it's still a little bothersome to me, but I can definitely get through it. Here's why. This, this number two tip, knowing your fear. I actually think about the statistics there is a next, there's slim to nothing there that I'm going to be part of a plane crash statistic. Could it happen? Absolutely. But it's more likely that I get into a car accident, right? So if you think about it from a calculated standpoint, you can conquer your irrational fear by knowing it. And you could also learn, hey, maybe this is a rational fear. If you've got a fear of going 120 miles an hour in a car, if that's a fear, that's probably a rational fear for a few reasons. I mean, even if you're, you know, Johnny Badass, you're still, you still should have that fear because, I mean, who wants to catch four points and get locked up at that kind of speed, right? You're putting everybody else's life in danger. So that's a rational fear. So this one will actually help you determine, hey, It'll help you see the black and white of it. I like it. I couldn't agree more. It's also really important to name your fear. Aside from just knowing it, it's not always, I mean, obviously fear of flying is a good one. Fear of heights is a good one. Those are more obvious fears. But if you're afraid to leave your job and start a business, just saying, I'm scared, I'm afraid of failure. That's not very specific. What are you afraid That's of? Are you point. afraid you're not going to make enough money? Down, are you afraid saying, people right? are going to judge you yeah exactly because you can't begin to conquer that fear yeah. until you really know the genesis and where it's coming from and if it's a multifaceted fear like you just said you know you named two big things that were they're very real fears right if it's a multifaceted fear there's only one main block you think i think that's right i think it only derives from one main block and you focus on that one main block and you kind of pan it out because the fear of the the first one you know the the one where we're afraid to break out because of security we're afraid to take those chances that fear is most of the time it's a completely irrational fear it doesn't make any sense why you would fear that you shouldn't fear that and it's also self-perpetuating because the more you tell yourself that the less likely you you are to develop a plan of action that's going to help you move beyond it so if all you think to yourself is there's too much risk i could fail you're not going to be empowered to take that next step to develop a game plan that's going to allow you the best possible chance to succeed. Absolutely. And one of the things my one of my old mentors said, um, and I love this, he said, I asked him, I said, what would you do if all the money went one day? Your business operations closed down. You get hit, shell-shocked. You're done, right? Because you can't control markets. And what if that happened? And he said, Ryan, you could give me $2,000 and put me in Spin City, and I am going to rise. I'm going to rise fast. I love that. Right? And, the, and it gives me chills just to think about when he said that to me. And I realized it because he turned to me after saying that, you know, he saw the shock on my face. And he said, Ryan, it's not about, it's not about how much you have. It's about what you went through and the knowledge that's in your head, right? Not the money that you have or what you've built up or as an empire or anything. You always keep the knowledge that you get. When you fear conquer, it's not just the anchor that you kept. It's what was inside of you, what changed you as a person, strengthened you, that allowed you to move on. 
That's great. And this could, that could be its own podcast in and of itself, relying on your knowledge rather than material possessions or money. Hint, hint, future podcast. <laughs> I like that. I dig that definitely. Moving on to number three. You're going to love this one. Okay. Make fear your trigger. Ooh. You know where Tell I'm going with more. this? <laughs> okay. So you ask yourself first, is this a fear that I can control or isn't it? Market shaking up, for example. You can't control the stock market fluctuating up and down. You can't control a lot of that stuff, okay? But there's a lot of fears that happen on a day-to-day that we can control. The boss that chews into us and rips into us or that pressures us. We can control how that fear comes at us, okay? We can plan for it. We can do all kinds of things to mitigate that, to make sure. And if it's if that boss is being irrational, if that behavior, for example, is being irrational, you can confront that. can't talk to you that way, okay? So this is what I'm saying. You can make this fear your trigger and look forward to it because fear is tied to anxiety, but on the other side of the coin, fear is also tied to excitement, Mm. okay? Fear becomes excitement. Why do we love roller coasters? You know, you're getting ready. You you hear the chains starting to pop and click as you go up on that first big hill. There's a sense of fear, right? Somewhere in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, I wonder if, you know, this is the 10,001 time this thing does this. Could it pop off of here, right? And just those little fears that are in our head make it more exciting for us. We love new. We love new. We love excitement, right? I mean, women, I mean, here's a little tip, guys out there. If you want to impress a woman, take her out of her comfort zone and do something new and unusual with her. She'll love you. She'll eat that up right away, okay? People are they're, we're yearning to break from the day-to-day routines. So this one is your trigger. You can tell yourself, hey, I'm ready for the next fear. I'm ready. I want to know if this is going to be great, right? And then you can look at it and say, this is my little opportunity to win here. What do you think? I got no holes to poke in that. I think that's fantastic. The, the big key for this one is to use it as a daily challenge, a little daily challenge for yourself. Okay, so what you're going to do is you're going to tell yourself, all right, look, I'm going to wait for my daily fear because we'll get it at one point or another. And then you define it. You say, I can control this fear. Wait a second. I can control this emotion. I can control this environment. And you step up at that point. Guess what you get? You get to grow. That's a chance to grow. Every time you conquer just a little baby fear, you get stronger and you grow as a person. And the people that are around you will feel that confidence because you're going to grow your confidence when you do that. Right. So you'll grow as a person. I love that. Just think of it as your trigger. Yeah, I think it's a little focus on the after effect, right? So focus on how you're going to feel after you've conquered that, that fear, can help not you get what over it's the like hump. going through the fear. Absolutely. That can help you get over the hump. But just know that you can you just kind of look at it this way. You can turn it into two different things. It can either be anxiety, you know, and come over you, or it can be a chance for you to have a little bit of excitement and bust through. I have a big takeaway in my head that I can't wait to get through. And the big takeaway is going to come up for all of these fear all of these fear tips and everything else we've talked about. So I'm excited to get my big takeaway. Now for number four, okay, we just kind of alluded to it, and that's convert your fear fully into excitement. There's one surefire way to do this every time. Can you guess? Embracing your failure? That's actually it. Now let me (laughs) me explain why. One of the key tips that I give in business, in, in fitness, in everything is to be stoic. Being stoic, Marcus Aurelius, uh, his teachings are a great way to be stoic. You have to expect things. 
First time I ever got screwed over by a best friend, I was miserable and heartbroken about that. But years later, it happened again. I wasn't so miserable and heartbroken about that because I'd learned that life, not so pretty place. So if you understand fear better from a position of, listen, I know that fear is going to happen. I already expect it. I'm already waiting for it. Okay. So th these two kind of go fear hand in hand. Fear or failure? Fear and failure. Hear me out here. Three and four kind of go hand in hand, right? Because three is make it your trigger, right? So you're kind of waiting for that trigger to come around. But then four is the complete conversion of that. You're expecting that fear to show up. And then the outcome of that fear. I can tell you easily to make fear a trigger and that you're going to be able to easily convert it into excitement. But what if you can't? If you're expecting that you cannot convert it into excitement, you're going to lose. But if you know, hey, you know what? Listen, <laughs> I might not be able to expect this. Bungee jumping, for example, that's one of the craziest things. I, I won't bungee jump because at some point that bungee is going to jump. Now, this is going to be an ex Yeah, you'll skydive. That's different, right? <laughs> skydive has a chance. Skydiving has a chance that that chute won't open, obviously, right? There's a very, very sliver of a chance. But it's a positive thing that at some point the bungee cord will snap. So this is the this is like the uh, the furthest example I can take it here. If that bungee cord snaps, and let's say that it snaps in a way that you're going to survive this, and you were a full stoic, you would have said, well, I knew at some point this could possibly snap. <laughs> I didn't cope well, with that. Make you sign all those well, that's why they make you sign all those waivers before. There's probably more waivers with that. There's, actually, I don't think there's many waivers with bungee jumping because there honestly, have to be. I don't think there is because the people that do that shit are just crazy. Like they're rigging that's that shit fair. up most of the time. <laughs> well, not even most of the time, but some of the times. I feel like the craziest bungee jumps, that shit's just like, it's on them. You know what I mean? But that's my point. Those are probably some hardcore stoics that are like, you know what? If this snaps, I'm probably doing something that I want to do while I'm dying. That's the ultimate example. So it's kind of twofold. You have to use it as your trigger, but then you have to understand that, hey, this could go a certain way and I'm going to deal with it when it comes. You got it? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. All right, cool. Now we're going to roll through to number five. I love number five. This is actually my favorite of the keys. This one is embrace your smallness. You're small. Ooh. You're very small. I'm not talking about Kate's height because <laughs> Kate's 4'11". Hey. Kate's 4'11". So we're not talking 4 about... 4'11". <laughs> on a good day. You're shaving an inch off me. <laughs> okay, I'm talking an inch off there. You're five foot, right? Listen, I'm not talking about your height, but what I mean by embrace your smallness, I got a good story for you. Good friend of mine, he took a big business risk. It was like one of his first business risks, and he sensed he's doing pretty well for himself. But this was two years ago, right? And he invested 15K. He literally financed 5,000, put 10,000, all he had his own money um, into it. He actually bought a string of vending machines in Jersey. He lost completely. Lost all that money. Basically got screwed over by somebody he went into business with. He called me. He was completely melancholy. was down in the dumps. I'll never forget. I was heading to the gym that night. It's one of those beautiful nights. I'm heading to the gym. I'm actually having a pretty good day. I mean, obviously, I didn't like that he called me with this bad news. So I'm trying to think about his moment. I'm driving to the gym. I'm on the headphones. And it was crystal clear out that night. And it was about 6 or 7 o'clock. It was a summer night. And I look up. And it's one of those perfect nights where you can see the moon. You can see the full moon while it's still daytime. You know the beauty of that? Mm -hmm. Majestic beauty. And I said to him, are you outside? So he walks out on his porch. I said, look up. You see the moon? He said, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And I said, think about how small you are right now. Think about that. Right now, he had that fear of failing, he had that fear of not being able to get secure again. He just wiped out his whole stash. And I said, dude, zoom out, do like a Google Earth in your head, right? And think about how tiny you are. Looking at the moon can do that for you. I think looking up at the moon, I think standing at the edge of the ocean, 
you look off into that and you realize, man, we are tiny outer space on a clear night out in the country. And you look up and you see the stars. Realize how small we are and how many different battles that other people are emotionally fighting, physically fighting. It makes you realize there's a galaxy out here, a universe. This is tiny. It literally makes that fear and that failure and everything else microscopic. That's very powerful. You think about exactly how small you actually are and how many people are in just on this earth. How many, what else is going on in the galaxy that we have no control over? Oh, yeah. You can do this. You know, obviously I used it for him and I, I felt a total mood lift in that phone. There was, a, there was a shift. His sadness shifted to, wow, he's got a damn good point. I still, I'm still alive. I'm still good. This is what he said to me. He said, man, I'm still alive. I'm still good. That's a beautiful night sky. You're absolutely right, man. And I think even in that moment when you can alleviate that, you can do this in two ways. You could do this after you face a failure or after you try something and it doesn't turn out so good for you. You can also do it before you get the jitters, before a big speech. You get that feeling of, man, I'm going to try something new. I might look kind of dumb here. Here we go. Think about the moon, the stars, the sun, how small you actually are. And this very minor incident, it can really minimize anything. How are you going to follow that up with your big takeaway? That was pretty good. I got something for the big takeaway. You know, I got a, I got an <laughs> ace card. I normally have an ace card up my sleeve at some point. Always. But that is damn good. <laughs> anyway, big takeaway time. You like the tips, by the way? I do. I love them. Okay. I think they're very unique. They're usable. They'll help you get through, through fear. And my big takeaway will help you get through fear for sure. All right. I think you're going to like my big takeaway. Something we haven't talked about yet. Ooh. I'm going to give you something that's more powerful in a negative way than fear. Do you know what it is? Death? No. Although I think I might be getting warm on your big takeaway. Hit but me. regrets. Regrets are worse than failure. Damn. Whenever you have something you're not sure about, something you don't know whether you should pursue, you have something holding you back, think about what it'll be like not following through on that. Think about all the woulda, coulda, shoulda, when you, how you're going to feel on the other side 10 years from now when you look back and say, I could have made that investment. And if I had, I'd be sitting on $100,000 right now, but I didn't invest because I was too scared I was going to lose my money. Think yeah. about that. And granted, there's a healthy balance there because you can't be taking every single risk that comes your way. But really think about and carefully analyze the risks before you decide not to take them because it may turn out to be great. You need to combat that negativity bias and be thinking positively and trying to break yourself out of that. Well, something bad could always happen because yes, something bad could always happen. It's far worse to look back and regret. Damn. I think you said it all when you said there's something worse than failure <laughs> and it's not death. It's regret. Wow. That's powerful. I love that big takeaway. That, like honestly, that's that's probably my favorite big takeaway that you've had in all of Success Convo. Wow. Yeah, I honestly think, because I don't know if you saw what I just did. I just wrote that down. That's, that's going awesome. on my board for the week. That's just <laughs> sick. Regret is worse than failure. How can you possibly not take a risk if you think about that? If you actually size that statement up that she just said, how can you not risk it? And I'm going to give you one more, one more thing. You're not going to be able to risk it. There's something that I ask myself all the time. And I think, so here, here comes my big takeaway. I think that this is something that we kind of, we joke around about in our society a little much and we never actually take a second to grasp it. And we, we can't grasp it because we have no possible way to grasp it. Ask yourself, will I die? I mean that. Think about that. Life is so damn short, blink of the eyes, if time flies by so quick. And that's true. We can all agree to that. So you're going to ask yourself, you can ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen? Okay, but you can also ask yourself, will I die doing this? If I go up and I want to give a live feed, I want to give a speech, I want to try a new product that's a little unconventional, will I die 
will this kill me? And if the answer is no, just like the old saying goes, it can only make you stronger. So that works in two ways. It works in the sense of, will you die eventually, which gives you the confidence Mm -hmm. to go ahead and pursue it. 100%. Or will this actually cause me to die, in which case it minimizes the severity of whatever you're about to do. 100%. This kind of goes back to my childhood and early adolescence. I was a deep thinker as a kid, super, super deep thinker. And I had questions, like uh, very irrational questions about the universe and life. Didn't Lulu, your grandmother, call you frustrated phenomenon? Called me frustrated phenomenon. That was her saying for me. My first couple sentences were, why are we here? That's crazy. And, And I think about it. I think about the days where I laid in my bed at night and I looked up at the stars and the clouds and space and I tried to grasp for the longest time death. I really tried to grasp not being there. And a few family members who I wasn't close to, you know, when I was young, distant aunts and uncles were passing away. And I remember being at funerals and thinking about the permanence of that and about, wow, they're not here anymore. And nothing, in my opinion, even you know the smallness of the universe, can come close to just the blank nothingness that death might be, which makes my life that much more beautiful, which makes everything that I'm about to do that much more powerful. Every person that I can help, if this podcast helps one person break out, go on any journey they want, get stronger, do something better, I think about the importance of that and just the beauty of that because it's not eternal. If this was eternal, none of it would matter as much. Everything can burn back to that final question. And I used to get so frustrated because I would actually try to think about death and what could possibly be after this. And if it is nothing, how does that work? And I would close my eyes. You know, the things that can, those thoughts that can make your mind just kind of get blown. And that's literally where this comes from. Wow, I'm not going to die doing this. So I can do this. Get it? Mm Mm-hmm. That's great. Big takeaway. I don't know how you thought mine was better. That's awesome. (laughs) I liked yours a lot. I really enjoyed this episode. I want to give a quick shout out to everybody that's been listening. What do we get about 15, 20 emails on this topic alone? Oh yeah. So people are loving this. Yeah, this was a this was a great, great convo. I was happy to have the fear one. I hope this helps you achieve. I hope this is usable. I hope the five keys spoke to you in some way. We thank you so much for listening. We thank you for your feedback. We thank you for every download and every share. Success Convo. Think about it. I was scared to put this one out there. I had fear that people weren't going to like our podcast and I put us on the line. They're loving it. Guys have helped it become what it is. Thank you so much. We appreciate the likes, shares, comments. Keep them coming and we're glad to be helping you guys. And we will see you on the next episode of Success Convo. 